thank God for the church. No matter where we go all over the world in the past 24 years, we've been traveling together. And yes, for those of you who want to ask, who maybe saw Shekinah Glory someplace, somewhere, in some corner of the world several years ago, we get this question often now. Are you the original Shekinah Glory? <laughs> we always tell them, you know, no, that was our parents. <laughs> they were crazy. Uh, they were crazy. <laughs> no, but um, I'm always so thankful. I, you know, all over the world, it doesn't matter where it's at in, in France or Europe or Switzerland or, or England or Scotland or Canada or Arkansas. When I go to a church where people love God, believe Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm telling you, I feel right at home. Whether I speak the same language that I, you know, with my understanding or not, right out of our spirits flows the same source of life. And we just hook up. Amen. Amen. So Amen. We're just so glad to be here. I believe this is a divine appointment. You know, if you miss your dentist appointment, you might end up with a tooth, you know, not getting fixed. But if you miss your divine appointment, you just are going to miss out on God doing what he has planned, not just for to help your tooth out, but to help you in your life, in your generation. I've just been so overwhelmed with the fact that God has people in every time that he has said in that time to change, to put that generation on course for his will to be done. And it's people who let the life of God live through them Hallelujah. that literally change their world. You know, I always, I told um I found a scripture in Acts, and I, every time I, I find it, and then I forget where it's at, but I believe it's in Acts chapter 13 or somewhere around in there where, where Stephen is quoting, and he quotes about the life of David. And he says about David that he served God in his generation, and then he fell asleep. And I said, when I read that scripture, I said, that's the scripture I want on my tombstone. Hmm. He served God. She. She served God. Well, yeah, yo, you figure that part out, yo. They served God in their generation, and then they fell asleep. We are. We are in the service, you know. On, out of here. On active duty, so to speak. You know, your pastor was talking about people on active duty. Some parts we know where they are, some we don't. Well, I'm telling you, if you're in the army of the Lord, you are on active, active. duty. You got an assignment, and it's not just so you can breathe free, just like they're not over there, just so they can breathe free. It's so that your generation can be free. Do you see it? I pray you see it this morning. I pray that you see that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life to bring His plan, His will to your generation. And there's a way He does it. I have a scripture to read, but... You want to say hello first? <laughs> I didn't know if you, if you, you didn't know if I was going to take a breath. I didn't know if you were going to take a breath. I thought. No, I'm Lois Toucher. For those dueling of you, preachers, you're going to see it right here this no, morning. We always say it's like you know the, the original picture-in-picture picture TV. You know, if you don't like what's showing on this channel, just switch to that one. And then if you don't, well, that was okay for a while. But now we'll go back to this one. But anyway, now you guys, we've been together for almost thirty. 27 years, Lois and I. So 30. we're not nervous about us. So don't you be nervous no, about us. No, don't be nervous. And don't take all morning to look at us. Yeah, you know, really. Get it over with If you now, think looking up here so. is quite a view, you should be up here right. looking out there. Okay, size <laughs> us up and let's move on. Ah, we love Jesus. We, we love, a whole lot we love more you. We love more of you than there are of us. <laughs> but I'm Lois and this is Cindy and my husband Ray's playing the guitar and we just love Jesus and believe the gospel is the power of God for anyone, anywhere, anytime. And that's why we're here. We're not trying to work something up. We're just getting in something that's already, already been, been worked, worked up <laughs> by God in Christ. We're just trying to hang on. <laughs> Glory to but God. Hallelujah. I keep hearing, uh, I keep hearing this just one, one phrase. Go to another key, Ray. Uh, what is that key? C. C. Go to D. go to see well I just kept hearing this over and over and I, I just wanted to 
for you, oh Lord. Do you guys know this song? You, oh Lord. Could you sing it with me? You have risen from the dead, and you're my Lord. Every knee, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Everybody say it. say that again and this time I want you to think about sickness or strife or backslidden relatives I want you to close your eyes and you're going to say this over that over your body over your mind over everything just close your eyes and sing this song because I don't want you staring at us because we're not Lord he's Lord and I want you to think about that situation teenagers if there's somebody you know that's backslidden a friend of yours you're going to speak this over and think about that situation if it's nervousness he's Lord if it's cancer he's Lord if it's uh, problems you know in relationships he's Lord if it's a uh, if it's a spouse that's gone off he's Lord I want you just to think about it. if it's a son or a daughter or a grandson he's Lord and I want you to think about that as you're singing this Lord I'm making a declaration you are Lord of that situation in my life because you have what you say you don't have what somebody else says you have what you declare husband if it's you you sing this song over your life don't expect your wife to do it wife if it's you you sing it teenagers if it's you you do it you sing this over your life and think of that situation right now if it's an abusive situation you've had from the past then you sing that over if it's something that's gone on that you didn't plan for or or believe for but yet you feel damaged by it you sing this song right now okay I feel like the anointing is here the tangible anointing is here to do to lift those things so that we can go on in the service and be free are you ready Woo! are you ready all right just think about that situation and say you're Lord Lord close your eyes don't look at us just look at somewhere else and you know you're going to heaven when you die everyone in this room lift your hands and say thank you thank you, you are Jesus. Lord you, you are, are Lord. Lord I don't if you, even you don't Jesus. feel like it thank because you, we are believers yes. and he is Lord thank you Lord regardless of what we feel you are Lord you are Lord you are, you are Lord. Lord you are Lord everyone in the you're room Lord say glory to, glory, glory to God you're Lord over my past you're Lord over my future you're Lord over my you're present Lord. you are Lord well, there's a, there's a word I kept thinking of this morning, the almighty God. And as I was 
considering that word this morning, this, this story came to me. I want to give it to you. And it's actually in context of what's happening, what Cindy was doing. In, in, in Genesis chapter 17, you don't have to turn there. Just listen if you want. When Abram was, he wasn't even called Abraham yet. He was still called Abram. You know, God wasn't right in the middle of his name. <laughs> but God wants to move right into the middle of who you are. Do you know when he does that, that's when his plan moves into your life? When you quit calling yourself by something other than, you know, that's been done to you other than what God has done for you. When he moves right into the middle of who you are, and that's what he did with Abram. He became Abraham when he started believing God. And Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. There's a lot of reasons why he said it, but we won't get into that yet. I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and you will be multiplied exceedingly. He said, I am almighty God. And I started looking at that word almighty. And, it's, and, and in my Bible, it gives uh, some different definitions of almighty. And it says, you know, this was uh, 13 years after God had originally made the promise to him. And he appears to him and he says, Abram, listen, look at who I am in this situation. I am almighty God. And almighty God is translated from the Hebrew El Shaddai. You've heard people say that before. But this word, this root word, this Hebrew word emphasizes God's might against man's weakness. You know, you think it can't be done because of who you are. And he says, no, I'm not looking at who you are. I want you to look at who I am. Boy, somebody ought the to shout. almighty God. Listen to this. It's used particularly here. Now, this is what I want you to listen to. In situations where people are hard-pressed and in need of assurance. Used particularly, God came to Abram after he talked to him 13 years earlier and said, You will have a seed and it will come out of you. It will come from your own body. And 13 years later, he said, Now, Abram, 99-year-old, just as good as dead Abram, quit looking at what you got and start looking at who I got, who yes. I am and what I've got. Yes. And he said, especially in a hard-pressed, difficult situation, Especially then, you say, well, the weaker I am, the more I get absorbed with my weakness. The sicker I am, the more I get absorbed with my sickness. Well, just get a, get a little slap jerked out of you this well, morning. Because oh, yeah. God came to Abram and said, no, no, the older you are, the stronger I am. The weaker you are, the greater I am. He yes. said, no, no, you got to get your eyes on something other than what you got. He said, I am the almighty God. And that's the same word that Moses used when he wrote Psalms 91 right in the midst of coming out of 400 years of being slave in slavery yeah. for nobody knew how to think free yeah. nobody knew how to act free yeah. nobody knew how to live free they'd never been their great great granddaddy hadn't been free and their great granddaddy and their daddy and then them themselves nobody knew how to be free and Moses came onto the scene and said let's be free somebody's getting it in and here. right in the middle of coming out of bondage he wrote psalms 91 he that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty god who do you think he's looking at to know how to be free he was looking at It's a good place to be. Amen. Let me tell you something. Don't ever let what people who aren't serving God, don't ever let what they think about you serving God affect what you do for God. You're talking to the wrong crowd. It's like talking to the person who's got nothing in the bank about what you ought to do with your multi-million dollar estate. It's true. I mean, you know, <laughs> get a clue. <laughs> Oh, I'm so fired up, I'm telling you. I used to tell people, you know, when they hear something from the Spirit of God and they just kind of sit there, I'd say, well, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. 
But since I read the story of Elijah calling down fire on wet wood, now I say, if your wood's wet, God can light your fire. And I actually like that a whole lot better. You know, because people, you know, you say, well, if they don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Then people say, oh, well, you know, my wood's wet. Then I guess I'm just drenched with all kinds of problems and attitudes. And, you know, it's not hardening of the arteries. It's a Christian's problem. It's hardening of the attitudes. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, I got all these things. Yeah, my wood's wet. So, you know, yeah, that's right. Look at me. I don't light my fire. My wood's wet. But now, well, if your wood's wet, God can light your fire. So there is a possibility for you. There is something that's greater than your problem. There is a way for you to be changed by the Spirit of God. Do you know it doesn't matter what's happened to you? It is absolutely of no... Do you know that when God considers what He can do with your life, He does not consider what your enemy's done to you? Did you know that? The devil and God are not working together. It's like somebody said, the devil is self-employed. God does not get his assignment from the devil, but the devil tries to destroy God's assignment. But God don't get his assignment from the devil. So quit thinking about what the devil's done to you and then try to use that as a platform. You know, well, I guess, you know, since I've been abused that I I just can't ever be, you know, free and, you know, enjoy relationships because, you know, I was abused. Well, you're getting your assignment from the wrong place. You're getting your inspiration from the wrong place. He's the almighty God. Don't you love that? Man, I mean, you can just go off. I mean, I'm telling you, I've just been going off. I've been reading. I get up and I just start reading the Bible. I think, man, I used to think the Bible was boring in the Old Testament. And I told Cindy, I said, you know, it's not the Bible that was boring. It was me. (laughs) The Bible is like eternally the the spirit of God, life of God. The Bible, there is no problem with the Bible. The problem was with the one reading the Bible. (laughs) I'm telling you, you don't need somebody to give you a good book. You got one if you got the Bible. Anyway, but there's a story in Matthew chapter 14 that I really wanted to, to read to the church here this morning. I really believe God's calling out and, and looking for people who will stand up in the generation, not to live for their own desire, not for their own purpose, not even for their, just for, just for what they want but to live for a purpose and a plan that really sets them in in a a position to make a change in a generation. I really believe that so strongly, but there's a story here I'm going to read this morning. I've got about 20 others I could do, but I won't. I know. I know. You're in the mortal body. I understand we're not immortal. What'd you say? Yeah, really. But... I, pray, I believe God's going to help you to see that this morning, how to live out the will of God in your generation and bring freedom, not just to yourself, but to your generation. That people who are in darkness will see light. People who are in bondage will go free, not just you. Thank God you get it. But, it, you know, let me just tell you this. Everything that God does to you, he wants to do through you. And when he anoints you, He has somebody else in mind. And until you get somebody else in mind, you won't understand what he's anointed you for. I'm telling you the truth. Because you look like people who got something from God. And I'm telling you, you you can get anywhere in the world from here. And I I just believe you see that. I'm just, you know, telling it because I'm the one who's talking. You can get anywhere in the world from here. This is not about, it's not about where you live, although it may change where you live, but it's not really about that. It's what you understand about what's living in you. And in Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus was in his earth ministry, this is the only time, this is the only account of this particular event that is in all four of the gospels. The only one. Now, there are many that are in two and three, but this is the only one that's in all four. I think that's quite significant. And I think it it ought to be at least in one of our, um, you know, understandings of what God in Christ was doing on this earth. Because he didn't want us to miss it. The Holy Spirit wanted us to understand and see 
You know, I've been reading through judges and, and different and the way that how the people that were brought out of bondage and then they brought they, they entered into the land under Joshua and then they began to possess different parts of the land. But then they would go into bondage because the people who had seen and experienced God would die. And then the people who hadn't experienced God would start to go what they thought was in, you know, we are doing what we want to do. We're really being free. And eventually they would follow other gods, but then it would say, and then they would yield to them and then they would bow their knee to them. And then the very thing they thought they were in control of was controlling them. And they became in bondage to an enemy that they thought had no power to rule them. And then God would come and somebody would experience not just a word. See, they knew they had the word of God, but the very life that the word gives. I mean, literally, they would walk around a living epistle. And when they did what God told them to do at the time God told them to do it, great deliverance would come to the whole generation. You know, it's not just what God tells you to do. It's doing it when he says to do it. When the people of God do what God says to do, when he says to do it, things change quickly. But you know, each person, each generation, each person, God has planned for you not just to tell what someone else happened to somebody else, but to, for your life to be an experience of his powerful death, burial, and resurrection. And until it's not just a book you read, but a life you lead you will eventually end up bowing your knee to somebody other than Jesus. And so anyway, in this story though, I believe it kind of helps us to understand the way Jesus speaks to people to get them to step up, so to speak, out of the crowd and experience the very life, abundant life that he said he came to give in John chapter 10. The thief, this is just our time, our seasons, ever since September 11th when we were outside of New York City on that day. And I can't, that's a whole nother story. But ever since that day when different things have happened, we just declared it's a season of John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the, the God sent Jesus Christ. He said he came to give us life and that more abundantly. So every place the, that the thief has come in, every place, spirit, soul, body, mind, any, any situation, event, it doesn't matter what it is, every place we are speaking John 10, 10 over it. Oh, no, the abundant life of God is working there. Abundantly, that means there's more healing than sickness. There's more provision than there is lack. There is more freedom than there is bondage. And we are declaring it, and we are signing the check, so to speak, and making the deposit. You know what I mean? We're not just saying we got it. We got it in our account in the sweet by and by. We are living off of the proceeds in the nasty now and now. You know what I mean? It's on deposit, church. It's ours in Christ Jesus. On deposit, Jesus arose from the dead and he said, it is yours. All things are yours. The Spirit of God's come to give you a, a view, a television screen that just shows you exactly what he's done. So you get, that's why people get real animated, you know, about it. It's just hard to stay cool when you're burning up with a fire that lights wet wood. But anyway, so in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus was uh, actually in a situation where he had just been told that his dear friend and, and relative, John the Baptist, had been murdered. He had just heard this news. This was not a day of good news in the natural. Actually, it was probably in his earth life, one of the worst days, if not the worst day besides the crucifixion, that he had to deal with. John the Baptist had been viciously murdered. His disciples had gone and gotten the body and had brought him the news. They had buried the body and had brought him the news that John the Baptist your mother, you know, your relative, you know, uh, what? Second cousin, I guess it was, because it was Mary and Elizabeth, and they were related cousins, right? And she gave birth to John the Baptist, and Mary was pregnant with Jesus, and John jumped in her womb when he found that out. I mean, you think, why are people jumping in church? Well, John the Baptist was jumping while he's still in her womb. He was like, 
Woo, I gotta, I, I gotta move. If Jesus is Lord and he's come to this earth, I gotta move. You know, people want to move when they get aware of Jesus and what he's done. And so, uh, uh, Jesus, John the Baptist has just been murdered. And Jesus, it says, when he heard it, in verse 13, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Now, I want you to see here that Jesus literally took a time where there was great hurt in his life, and he turned a time which could have been marked as a day when John the Baptist was murdered. He took a time when that could have been what marked his life, and instead he turned it into a day that was marked. I mean, every gospel writer marks down this day as one of a day of miracles, not a day of misery. And it could have been marked on his calendar forever as a day full of misery. And he took it and turned it into a day of miracles. Now, how did he do that? Well, you can see, first of all, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. The word compassion is literally the word to be moved with great, great, deep compassion or pity. It literally means it's the place, uh, uh, the Hebrews, the word, the word that's used here, it comes from the Hebrew that, that means a place where mercies and feelings of affection flow from. So out of his innermost being, he literally changed the way he felt about that day by not just seeing what he needed, but by seeing what they needed. And you know, he turned his feelings of hurt into feelings of healing for others. Literally, he redirected the way he felt about life by changing what he saw from a time where somebody was, uh, uh, their life was destroyed to instead turning his attention to lives that are restored. Now I'm telling you, everybody deals with disappointments and hurt in this life. I am not here to tell you that you won't ever be disappointed, but I am here to tell you that disappointment does not have to mark your calendar. You say, well, how does that happen? Your life is either run by problems or purpose. And the way you keep your life from being run by problems is when your purpose is greater than your problem. If your purpose is not greater than your problem, your problem will be greater than your purpose. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like if somebody's purpose is I must come to church because when I come to church, I join together with the body of Christ and what part I have is really only significant as I am in place with the body. You know, eyes, good eyes are good, but if they're not in your head, they don't help you see nothing. And you have this sense of knowing that the church is the place where the will of God and purpose of God is made clear. And I am not the only one that's got something to give. I am a part of a body of Christ that has something to give. And you have that purpose in your heart. And it's in you. And it's strong in you. Then if your, you know, if your uh, uh, son comes in and he's upset or mad about something he starts fussing or maybe you know your refrigerator is not working instead of saying well the refrigerator is not working i ain't going to church you do have a problem your refrigerator is not working but if you know what it means to be in the church of god you'll say yeah my refrigerator is not working but i'm going to church so what's happening instead of your refrigerator your problem directing where you go your purpose you understand what it means to be in church. The purpose of God and the plan of God is always built in the church of God. Then you just, that refrigerator, that broken refrigerator has no, it's not directing your course. It's not something you don't, I mean, I'm not saying you don't have to fix it, but I'm saying it ain't taking you with it. You know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what Jesus did here. And I'm telling you, when people who know their God, it doesn't mean they don't have problems, but it means their purpose is greater than their problems. Gosh. 
And you may not ever hear about their problems. You know why? Because if it's personal, it ain't none of your business. And if their problem is something that they need your help with, they'll let you know. And if they don't need your help, then they don't need your help. You understand what I'm saying? That's why the Bible tells us in the New Testament, don't be a busybody in other people's affairs. Quit trying to find out what's happening with them. You just take care of what's happening in yours and we'll all be happy. And pray in the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus says he sees a crowd. And when he sees the crowd, instead of saying, you know, this is not what I planned for this day. I did not plan for them to be following me into this place. I planned to go by myself. That's what the Bible says, wasn't it? Wasn't what he planned, but he, instead of, instead of seeing it as an, as a, as a, a, a place that would actually take from him, he saw it as an opportunity to give the abundant life of God. Abundant. You understand? He said, what's been taken from me this day is not greater than what's been given to me. And so he said, Well, talk to yourself. And he said, they followed him on foot. He was moved with compassion. So the way he moved out, always, I'm telling you right now, the love of God is always the channel whereby faith in God flows. The love of God. The compassion. You know, I will tell you this. The love of God is what brings feelings to your faith. You're not moved by feelings. You're moved by faith. But faith will bring feelings. When it's moved by the love of God. And so he goes on and he, 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 he says, uh, he healed their sick. In Mark chapter 6 verse 34, it says he taught them and spoke the kingdom of God to them. It says uh, in Luke nine eleven, he spoke about the kingdom of God and healed them. So in other words, it was an expression of the word of God and it was a release of the spirit. Spirit of God, the, the life of God. I'm telling you, it's as important to respond to the Spirit of God as it is to respond to the Word of God. Just as important. If you, don't, if you only have the Word of God, you will be a generation who has a theory, but you have no experience. And the Bible says that the generation that has the theory, the theology, but no experience is the generation that will bow their knee to the God of this world. And so he says, he comes to them with an experience of the word of God. Now this is, now this is what happens next in verse 15. So when it was evening, I always, I know people always like it when people who are talking, look at their watch. So (laughs) I know what time it is. I won't take, keep you much longer. When it was evening, his disciples came to him. Now these are all the guys going to church, you know, (laughs) you know, these are our folk, you know what I mean? And they come to him. Now it's evening, so it's been happening for a while. And this has been a Holy Ghost. I mean, you know, you know, this is it. Jesus himself is preaching. Signs and wonders are following. And I mean, you know, I believe he probably said it all the right way, don't you think? I bet he didn't waste any words, don't you think? I bet he said exactly what should have been said. And then signs and wonders, not just one or two get healed, everybody there got healed. He healed them all. I mean, this was like 100% successful meeting. I mean, everybody's getting healed. I mean, this is great. And now these are the guys, you know, these are the guys that have been there before. They've seen it before. How do they react? They've seen this. They, not just, they haven't just seen this done once. They've seen this done before. And his disciples came to him and they said, that's what they said. <laughs> this is a, you always wonder who they are. Well, here they are. This is a deserted place. The hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. You know what they said? Now listen, these are the guys that have been there before. They've seen it before. And they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, this is a long meeting. Amen. <laughs> now remember, they're talking to Jesus. Now they're not talking to, you know, you know, you know, uh, you know Ronnie whoever from someplace and you say man he's just rambling up there maybe you're thinking about me i don't know but this is jesus himself and he says this is a deserted place they say to him this is a deserted place this in other words you know this is it's dark outside and all the restaurants are closed the hour is already late it's a late long meeting jesus you know man if you hadn't let those girls sing so long maybe we would be through by now i told you they thought just like you it's a long meeting 
And it's already late. We know, we know, do you know what time it is, Jesus? And he says, you know, let's just dismiss, send everybody home. I think this is a good time to, to quit right now, Jesus. Right now, we think it's a good time to stop. We think you ought to quit. We think you ought to quit right now. The disciples are telling Jesus when he ought to dismiss the service. Is that amazing? I think it's amazing. These guys are saying, we think you ought to quit, Jesus. Now, let me just tell you something. If you're looking for a place to quit... We tell people the reason the way we are, we are the way we are is we never miss a Shekinah Glory meeting. <laughs> if you're looking for a place to quit, you'll always see one. But if you're looking for a place not to quit, you'll always see one. And these disciples were looking for a place to quit. I mean, you know, they said, we're hungry, Jesus, and we think you ought to stop, and we think you ought to stop right now. Now, let me just tell you something. I'm not saying there isn't a time to quit, but let me tell you, you may have a time to dismiss, but we ain't ever quitting. But, you know, I just don't think that we need to be the one to decide when that time is. I think we need to find out what the Spirit of God is saying, and we need to go with it whether we have to adjust our schedule or not. If you don't ever change what you're doing, you ain't ever going to have anything other than what you've had. You know what I mean? Say, well, I don't know why nothing ever changes in my life. Well, it ain't going to change. You know, let me tell you this. You don't choose your destiny. You choose your daily habits. And your habits choose your destiny. Did you know that? They choose it for you. I heard Lester Summerall say just the other day, he said, uh, um, uh, a, a, a person chooses, makes a choice, and the choice makes the person. A person makes a choice, and the choice makes the person. I thought that's another way of saying your habits don't make your destiny. Your, you know, you don't, your, de- your destiny is chosen by your habits. You understand what I'm saying? And if you're going to make an adjustment in where you're going, I mean, you know, if you don't want to go to Kansas City, get off the road that's going to take you to Kansas City. If you don't want to go. Do you understand? But these disciples said, we think it's time to stop and we think we ought to stop right here. Well, this is what Jesus said. Now, listen, I think it's nice to know what they said, but thank God I can live by some word from God and get, get a hold of what really Jesus wants to do here. But Jesus said, now look at this now. But Jesus, I do have the new King James, by the way, for those of you maybe who are wondering, well, is she just skipping those words or changing those words or what's she doing? It's just the new King James. And it helps me understand. And if it helps me, believe me, it's going to help you. <laughs> so he says, but Jesus said to, who did he say to? What's the next word? Them. It doesn't say him. It says them. So what does that mean? He's talking to the whole crowd there, the disciples, the same bunch that said, we think you ought to quit. And we think you ought to quit right here. This is a good stopping point. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Okay, so what's Jesus doing? He's saying, no, no, change your habit right here, boys. Change it right here. Change what you think is going to happen next and change it right here. Instead of thinking they need to do something about what they need, I want you to understand that God has given you something about what they need. I want you to see, and you say, what, what is he trying to get them to do? I believe he's trying to get them to change who they think they are. I believe it's just like God talking to Abram and saying, before I can put myself in the middle of who you are, you're going to have to get a different idea about who I am because the only way you're going to change your idea of who you are is to change your idea of who I am. And then your identity comes right out of who he is. That's why you're called a Christian. Christ is right in the middle of your name. And Jesus looked at him. He said, they do not need to go away. So first of all, no, no, your idea needs to change. It needs to change right here and it needs to change right now because what's about to happen will be determined by what you do right here and right now about what you think you can do. They do not need to go away. 
You give them something to eat. Now, if Jesus tells you to give them something, that means you have something to give. You say, well, I don't have. You know, it's not about what you don't have. It's seeing what you do have. I'm telling you right now, it don't matter if you came here on a bicycle or rode a Mercedes. You've got something from God to give to your world. And let me tell you, every new level of living comes from a new level of giving. It's always that way. God so loved the world that he gave. Every new level in your life. Every, I saw this a few years ago. I saw how that every new level, I'm not just talking about money. Oh, it includes money, but it's not just money. Every new level that you reach in your life as a Christian comes from a new level of giving. Because I'm telling you, when you give what you've got, that's when you begin to literally experience what you have. And he said to him, he said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Well, immediately when he says this to them, they begin to tell him. They said to him, verse 17, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. You give them something to eat. They said, we only have five loaves and, and two fishes. And he was, he was, I believe he was trying to help them to learn to see the miracle. Instead of seeing 5,000 people who were, were, were uh, uh, hungry and without any, any uh, uh, what? Provision. provision. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Without any provision, I believe he wanted them to see 5,000 people who were provided for by the miracle power that flowed right out of their life. He wanted him to see it a different way. And they began to say, well, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. They had, and actually in John chapter 6, verse 5, when it says he saw the multitude coming toward him, it says specifically that he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And then he said, actually not asking this because he didn't know the answer, but it says he asked this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. And literally the word test means that he said this to, uh, uh, the, the message Bible says, he said this to test or, or to stretch his faith for he himself knew what he was going to do. Stretch his faith. I like that. Stretch Philip's faith. Thank you. Somebody's listening. Stretch Philip's faith. In other words, he looked at Philip and he said, Philip, what are we going to do about buying bread for all these people? And then it says, he didn't say this, you know, he didn't, he knew the answer. He just wanted to know the answer that Philip was going to give. You say, why did he do that? He wasn't looking for somebody to watch him do, you know, a deity trick. He was looking for somebody who would move out with his word and experience the, 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 the result of believing his word. If you don't ever do that, I'm telling you right now, you will eventually become somebody who is bitter or bored or whatever because what you believe you never do step into the experience of. Wow. And, and he looks at Philip. He said, what are we going to do about this? He said, he, he said this to, to stretch his faith. I can just see it. He was looking at Philip. He said, Philip, you need to stretch. You need to, you need to experience. Band. You need to you need to increase with that faith that you have in your heart. Most of the time, people think this story is about the size of the lunch, but it's really not about the size of the lunch. It's about the size of the heart. It's really about finding someone whose heart and capacity to move with God is on the increase, increasing. Do you understand? And before you can ever give it out on the outside, you gotta increase on the inside do you get it yes. and he told philip he said he looked at him to stretch his faith because he knew what he was going to do and literally that means he knew what way he was going to go when it says he 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 said this to test philip that word test means to determine what way you're going to go and he was looking for somebody who was gonna go the way he was going are y'all with me? He said, you know, when you choose to believe God, you are not believing something that, you know, you're just out there by yourself. You know, you are like Star Trek and, you know, go where no man has ever gone before. No, 
You are actually walking in a path that has been walked on by Jesus Christ himself. And you are literally walking through death, hell, and the grave and the power that raised Christ from the dead. You are on a highway of righteousness that gets brighter and brighter. The Bible says, Proverbs 12, 28 or somewhere in there, shines to the brightness of the noonday. Your life is not getting darker. It's getting brighter. It's getting brighter. And he says, I'm looking for somebody to do this. And it says, uh, uh, he, he, he told him, he says, um, uh, they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. And then he says to them, I can't do this because I keep, because I keep, uh, I keep blowing. So we'll just get it. He says, uh, he says, bring them here to me. Verse 18. Now I want you to notice what Jesus told him. Jesus didn't say, you're right, five loaves and two fishes, that ain't going to work. I know that's what you got, but that's not what I need. And if we're going to get this job done, five loaves and two fishes is not going to do it. Notice what he said. Bring that to me. Do you know what he said? Now look at this. This is so cool. Jesus used the very same thing that he asked them to use. He didn't use anything different. He didn't pull a rabbit out of the hat. He didn't go up, you know, and get some kind of special, you know, provision that they didn't have. No, no. He used the same thing they had. They said, we don't have what we, what we need. He said, no, no. You just don't know what you have. Are y'all with me? I'm telling you now, when Jesus arose from the dead, the Bible says the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him and you are complete in him. The Bible says that every name, that every name that is named in this earth, under the earth, every name, that every name is under his feet and you are in his body, the church, and that you live in a victory that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Your enemy has been defeated and Jesus is your Lord. It's not about, let me tell you, the will and plan of God for your life. It's not about God doing something special for you. It's about you realizing what God has done for you. I tell people all the time, assignments from heaven, they don't come to special people. They come to normal people who have received a special purpose. A special call, you could say. It's not the person. It's the call. It's like I have a... When I went home to visit my mother for, for Thanksgiving, she was telling me this story about a cousin of mine who's now a grandmother. <laughs> and she was playing piano in this church. Her husband's a minister. And she this nobody was there. The church was empty. And she has a, a little grandson. He's six years old. And he loves to sing when his grandma plays piano. And so she's playing piano. And he's behind the pulpit singing away. And, and so he gets through with this song. And he turns and looks at his grandma. And he says, well, grandma, I saying now you preach <laughs> her husband's a baptist minister and she looked at her little grandson she said well son i i can't preach and she said well why can't you oh, she said you know no i can't preach and she said he said well well grandma why can't you preach and she said because you can't preach unless you're called and so he put both of his hands put them on the other side of his mouth and he went grandma come and preach <laughs> You know what I believe Jesus is doing here? I believe he was saying, fill up, feed the hungry, the need, give them something. You said, no, no. I can't do that unless I'm called. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called us by his name. He says you are, First, uh, First Corinthians 6, 10 and 11, he says such were some of you. You were this. You were unrighteous. You were unqualified. You were without help. You were ugly. You were silly. You were uh, uh, sinful. You were destroyed. But he said such were some of you. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of Jesus Christ. So justified, go and preach. Can you see it? I mean, a six-year-old boy said, well, if you need to be called, I'll just call you. So Jesus looks at him. He says, bring that here to me. 
what did he do? He took the same thing that they thought was unusable and he said, that's exactly what I need. He took what they thought was unqualified and he said, it's qualified. He took what they thought was too small and he said, it's exactly right. And he took it. Now look what he does. I'm almost through. But he says, then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He didn't dismiss one of them. He didn't tell them, well, you know, if we can just kind of, if we can just kind of decrease the crowd a few thousand, maybe we can make it happen. He didn't dismiss a one of them. Every one of them. I can guarantee you there were people there who hadn't prayed for weeks. I can guarantee you there were people there who hadn't tied. There were people there who probably slapped their wife or slapped their child or, you know, slapped themselves. There were people there. I can guarantee you there were people there who'd been cussing the dot before. I can guarantee you, but he didn't say, now all you people who've been praying for six months, you stay. All you people who've been giving for two years, you stay. No, if you were there, you were qualified to receive. Why? Because of what they had done? No, no. Because of what he knew God could do for them. Let me tell you, you don't receive from God because of what you've done. You receive because of what he's done. It'll set you free if you'll quit putting your faith in your works and put your faith in God's work. This is the gospel. That's how you receive from God. You put your faith in God's work. And he gets it. He says, you bring that here to me. And he looked and he sat the multitude down. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. He took the very same lunch that the disciples had said, we can't use this. And he said... No, it's exactly, it's exactly what, what he wants to use. And he blessed it and he broke it and he gave the loaves. Look at this. Who did he give them to? Who did he give the loaves to? To the disciples. The same group who'd already given it to him and said, this is not enough. He said, oh Lord, I thank you. For your provision. I thank you for your abundant life. I thank you that in the midst of adversity. That you lift up your standard. And you bring a flood of your grace in. I thank you for it Lord. And I thank you that that day. Is this day. And right now I believe you. That's all he was looking for. When he talked to Philip. That's all he was looking for. He wasn't looking for somebody different. He was looking for someone. Who could see something different. It's not what you see, it's how you see. And he was looking for someone who could see through the eyes of God's abundant provision. And then he gave the very same thing that they had given to him as unacceptable, unusable. He gave it back to them and he said, now you take it and you give it to the multitudes. And the Bible says they all ate and were filled. Literally, the word filled means that they had a super abundance. They didn't just have enough. They had more than enough. It's kind of the John 10, 10 theme, you know, more abundantly. Oh, yeah, you think the need is great, but I'm telling you, the provision is greater. They were all filled. Do you understand? Everybody in here, everybody qualifies to receive from God. Not because of what you've done. No, I don't need to know what you've done. You old honorary thing. I don't need to know. I need to know if you know what God's done. And if you respond to that, I'm telling you right now, instead of the calendar being marked by your day of misery, it will be marked by God's day of a miracle. And they were all filled. And they buy, and, and listen now. Who who stopped the flow of the, the miracle here this day? It wasn't Jesus. It's, and actually, it says in John, when it reads this story, it says that they ate as much as they wanted, John six eleven. So when they got full, they said, well, we're full. I guess that's all there is. No, that's not all there is. That's just all you want. <laughs> See, many times we judge what God can do by what we think. It has, you know, can happen because of what we've received in our life. Well, just because that's all you've received doesn't mean that's all there is. And in fact, Jesus said, just so you don't forget it. He said, hey, boys, I want you to go out there. And would you just collect what's left over? Because I can guarantee you, even though you got all you want, you didn't get all there was. 
And there was 12 baskets full still remaining. Mm -hmm. Each one of those disciples handed maybe, you know, or saw them hand a small lunch to Jesus. But I can guarantee you before it was over, they were each carrying a basket full of a lunch they thought was not enough. Mm -hmm. More abundantly. I'm here to declare to you and I just, all you got to do is believe it. All you got to do is believe it. And if you hear it, you can believe it. And how do you believe it? You hear it and instead of saying, no, that can't happen to me. You say, well, you know, it's not because of what I've done. It's because of what he's done that it can happen to me. Praise God. And God will put his, I mean, that's why you're called a Christian. God put his name. On who you are. It's your family. You're a part of the family of God. Just listen. I love this song. Probably my favorite song that we sing. You flip through photo albums during this time of year. You see people maybe you don't know. But God says we all are known by Him in Christ. He knows each one of us by name. Listen. This is my family portrait. There's me and Jesus, the great prophet of our day who is now home to be with Jesus. She prophesied the coming down of the Berlin Wall before it happened. And several other things helped. She prophesied Christian television broadcast by satellite. She didn't even know what it meant. She got it all through prayer. And in her prophecy, she said, emergency hours are coming on the world. Jeannie Wilkerson. Is Jeannie Wilkerson is her name. Probably not as you know. And I want many areas, the Lord said through her, to be prepared for this time. I need intercessors who will stand in the gap and make up a hedge that is so lacking in the church. I believe this church is to make up a hedge that's so lacking in this area in Oklahoma I believe that this church is strong and recognize the move of the Holy Ghost and will make up the hedge lift it up He said, well, everything changed. You know, it's more serious since the World Trade Center. It's not more serious. It's just as serious as it always been. In fact, it was serious that day for someone to talk to someone on the elevator going to the 92nd floor about Jesus. What's changed is our awareness. But it was just as serious. The Gospels never changed. He said... For God so loved the world. He loved us so much he couldn't leave us in our despair. He loved us so much he couldn't leave us in our sin. He loved us so much he couldn't leave us in the, 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 the punishment, the, the sin that deserved punishment. He loved us so much he couldn't let us bear that. He loved us so much he didn't want to leave us in our sickness and our pain. He loved us so much he didn't want to leave us in the misery of divorce. He didn't want to leave us in the, in the hopeless situation. He didn't want to have us help carry the burden that, that, that the death produced, sin produced. When we sinned, that the seed that was in sin was death. He loves us. He loves you. I told Shelly this morning, I said, you know, if Shekinah glory was formed, we now have... A group of ministers in France. We, we have a mission. We have a work to the French-speaking ministers. And to the French-speaking nations all over the world. We have three French tapes. We're now. This next year will be our 10th annual international French-speaking conference. Ministers conference. Strong believers now. Strong pastors from all over the world. And I said if we were just raised up just for this. It's worth it. It's worth it. You say, why? Because France has the leading Islamic university in the world, in Paris. Their plan was to take Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and United States of America. And God sent three singers to France. 
We had five loaves and two fishes. That's all we had. And he said, sing in French. And our music was played on French radio in Paris. And all over the Riviera, into Egypt, into Africa. It goes satellite to different countries where they speak French. French is the second speaking language in many countries. Romania. And people over there, we come over there, they say, how are you guys able to do this? And we say, there are churches in America that love you. And they make it possible for us to go. Because every time we go, we carry you with us. You say, what? What is my purpose? Your purpose will only be found out through the local church. I sang in the choir. Backslidden Southern Baptist, rock and roll, now Pentecostal Jewish drug addict. No, not now drug addict. I'm not now a drug addict. <laughs> no, you start, you kind of got that. But you know, Baptist. When I rededicated my life, I just went to church. Now Pentecostal. I went singer. to church and sang in the choir. Nobody even knew who I was. I just sat there and sang. And then somebody said, this girl can sing. Could you do a, a solo? And I thought, man, I don't have enough. You don't know. You don't know. I'm a backslidden rock and roll. <sighs> Jewish Baptist singer. And they said, please. And I gave what I had. And it was more than enough. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. Giving what you have is what starts the miracle that feeds your multitude. I didn't ask to do this. He said, would you go? And I said, okay. If there's still something, I'll do it. An entire country has been affected. And those countries are affecting other people. France. England and our, our songs are being played in England and Germany and we've been in Germany with the Islamic move it's that's targeted. a whole nother the first country we ever went to was Malaysia and that's the that's, and that's the a leading whole story, militant though. Islamic country there is and I we thought being Jewish it. I'd go to Russia first or Germany first but God sent us there a church took our music there mass produced they, them and spread them out throughout all the region every major country they took it I guess city they took our tapes music tapes we, I guess they thought copyright meant the right to copy we don't care if you want to take our tapes and copy them we could care less sell Just them to, put, the, put the money back in your ministry we could care less pass them out to all your friends sell them for Christmas presents I'll give you a deal such a deal I can deal just a deal hallelujah is there anybody in here this morning who said Cindy I don't know this Jesus Christ I've never made him Lord Oh, maybe somebody dragged you in here this morning. They're your best friend. A best friend, listen to me, teenagers. A best friend will take you toward the things of God. They'll say, get up and dance. Get up and shout. Sing. Raise your hands. They're always egging you on. Somebody who doesn't care will just let you sit there. They're trying to get that X off your calendar. Or leave you at home. That's just the devil's day. No, that ain't the devil's day. Let's just move with God and get the multitude of his mercy God had a son named Jesus he had a plan he said I'm going to send the sign to you you'll be born to a virgin God got involved himself he said I see that nobody's able to help I'll do that I'm moving into the neighborhood and he used a person to bring his plan to this earth and he continues to do so I need Jesus maybe you're here this morning you're a Christian and you say Cindy I I'm not right. I'm not right with the Lord. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you say your parents don't know. Uh -uh. They know. They know everything. I don't know how they know it, but they know it. They got built-in radar. They know what you're doing, who you're doing it with, and where you go. They know the Holy Ghost. Nobody knows what's going on. Oh, yeah, somebody knows. Maybe you're an adult in here. You've lived for so long. You keep tripping up and tripping up over the same habit. There is an end. There is an end. Today is your miracle day. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you said, Cindy, I don't pray in other tongues, but I, I, I don't understand all of it. It doesn't matter. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Pray in other tongues. Magnifying the Lord. You guys, I'll practice it all the time. When you come and praise and worship, just rip off in it. Have the pastor get up here and make you have to shut up. Nip it. Quiet. Praise so much that when people walk in here with cancer, it falls off. Praise the Lord so much when someone comes in and, and they're committing adultery that they can't stand it. They have to fall on their face and say, God, forgive me. Praise the Lord and pray in tongues so much and you be so free that not just think of yourself, but somebody next to you. You lift your hands and go, oh, glory, I'm delivered. And someone next to you is in bondage and they go, who oh, that came on them and they go, could I really be? Somebody's son. Just like maybe your son Somebody's, says, I want to know and have him. Some teenager comes in and visits, and they see one of you kids not embarrassed to praise God. And they're going, oh, man. They say, you pray in tongues? You say, you mean you don't? You, don't? <laughs> you mean you go to church on Sunday night? You, you, you mean don't? you don't? You lift your hands? You don't? Who's directing your course, you know? Anyway. You don't? I don't understand. You run around in the church service. You don't? When they say lift your voice and speak, you mean you do? You don't? Somebody needs to go home and read Psalms. Just read it this afternoon. You come back tonight, we won't be able to shut you up. Any of those three, you need Jesus. You need to rededicate your life and come on home. We're looking for you. We're looking for you. Or you want to pray in other tongues. I'd like to invite you to come down here with me. I'm going to come down here and I want to pray with you. And you know what? We hope you've enjoyed this message by Cindy Duvall and Lois Toucher. For more information about Shekinah Glory Ministries, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. Be sure to sign up to receive our very popular podcasts, and you can also subscribe to our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. The website also offers our daily devotional, testimonies, and updates from the road, as well as our ministry itinerary, so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. Thank you, and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do what we do without your help. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you, and God bless you.